questions about the draft as we're going. All right, three, two, nine. Episode 824. Here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 824 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, July 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Uh, it, it feels good to be alive right now. Like, I did my first draft last night since, uh, you know, the season has started back up again. It was a fun experience. Uh, it was uh, eye-opening in a lot of ways. So uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So you, if you want to go watch it, you can go over to my YouTube page. Uh, I think it's just Justin Mason FWFB or Justin Mason Fantasy on YouTube and uh, and watch the, the three hours of our main event qualifier, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But man, it yes. was, uh, th- this season may be kind of a shit show, but it was fun to draft. Maybe, he says, as if it won't aggressively be. But... You had fun drafting, and uh, it's back, and there's going to be a lot more drafts, so we're going to see how everything goes with it. We do have some news to talk about. Speaking of the aforementioned shit show, um, there's a situation in place where they're not going to say when guys get COVID, Mm -hmm. but they're going to put them on the IL with an undisclosed ailment. So we'll never have any idea. Who yes. It'll be impossible well, to figure out. I mean, it. we won't know for sure, but we'll know. I mean, yeah. I mean, a thousand percent sarcastic. Okay. Of course we'll know. Yeah. Of course we'll know. Like, uh, back injury, leg injury, arm injury, undisclosed ailment. Mm-hmm. Gee whiz. Yep. I wonder. I wonder. Anyway. Um, we're gonna get into these new into these news and notes here. Got a trade that happened. Then we'll talk about your main event qualifier. Let's start with a non-COVID uh, IL stint and actually kind of a little bit of a scary one. Jose Quintana was doing the dishes, cut up his thumb, and uh, he's gonna be out for a while. Required five stitches. He uh, had to have a nerve repaired. This is in his left hand, so his throwing hand. This isn't good. This seems very bad. Um, so he's going to be out three to four weeks. Um, yeah, this imagine, um, uh, excuse me. One imagines this will put Quintana at least three or four weeks behind at the beginning of the season. That's going to ensure that Tyler Chatwood gets a spot with Alec Mills likely um, looking at maybe getting a spot himself. Chatwood was probably already going to be the fifth, but now he's locked and loaded. And then Alec Mills has a chance. I have not liked this Cubs pitching throughout, and this doesn't help. It's basically like Darvish Hendricks, and that's it. You know, even Lester, I'm not that confident in. Quintana, I wasn't uber confident in, but I did like him as the third best there. Cubs are in some trouble, no? Uh, yeah, I think they're in a ton of trouble because depending on what you think of... I mean, I like Ian Hat, but the bottom half of that lineup sucks. Mm-hmm. The bullpen sucks. Uh, and now the back half of that rotation sucks. Yeah. Uh, and I mean... A lot of holes. It's not like Quintana was great to begin with. Uh, but, I mean, this kind of takes him off your draft. I mean, I don't know. Have they said how long he's probably going to be out for? I mean, he could they miss... said he'll be three to four weeks behind when the season starts. That's half a season. So it's like, it, <laughs> don't draft him. You can't draft him. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even pick him up when he becomes available. He was working on a yeah. new change-up grip anyways. you got to imagine that any sort of nerve damage uh, will affect that. Uh, he doesn't have a high enough upside to warrant drafting when he was healthy. And now I don't think he obviously even has enough upside to, I mean, pick up much less draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... 100% over for this season as far as I'm concerned with uh, any consideration for Jose Quintana. Hopefully everything uh, gets right with his thumb and, and it's not a long-term thing that uh, carries over beyond this year. But that that's that, that takes him off the, uh, off the eligible draft board as far as I'm concerned. Moving over to Philly, uh, Scott Kingry, Hector Neres, Tommy Hunter, Ranger Suarez on the IL with an undisclosed ailment. I wish I could figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Un, unrelated report, they recently had a group of guys test positive for COVID. Unrelated. Mm-hmm. 
These things are not related. Of course they're not. I promise. They're not 1,000% inextricably linked and 100% what they have. I promise. I have no idea what they have. It's an undisclosed ailment. How can I know, Justin? Mm -hmm. How can I know? Okay, so obviously, listen, uh, by the way, this is not me mocking the the um, policy or desire to have these guys not have to have their COVID, you know, uh, positive out there in in the world. Because I, I think the Blackmans were pretty pissed when uh, it was it was revealed that Charlie Blackman had tested positive. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. I'm saying they have not found a way to not make it obvious as hell because. I would, I could not be convinced that that's not what Kingery Neris, Hunter, and Ranger Suarez have. So, um, with all due respect to Mr. Hunter, Mr. Suarez, Kingery and Neris are really what we're looking at from a fantasy angle here. And they're both all formats draftable. I mean, Neris was looking like a one of the better closers once you get past that that first, you know, small group there of of uh, stalwarts. I think he was in that next group that people really liked on a solid team. And then Kingery did some things last year. People still looking at, at another jump from him possibly. So this is not great. Um, let's talk, let's talk about Kingery first. Are you, are you now I forget when we talked about Blackman with regards to COVID players, is this something that you want to draft them uh, because they're getting it early, even though there's no guarantee that they can't get it again. Like how are you approaching the overall issue as far as players who get COVID before the season starts. I had originally said that it wouldn't necessarily scare me away if they got it early, like now, because they'd be recovered and, and symptom-free by the time uh, the season got rolling. I'm going to backtrack on that, because we have seen plenty of people get it, and it's not like a two-week illness. Yeah. It can be like, you know... two-week quarantine. Like yeah. That. But it's not a magic date that you're just better than. Yeah. And so, I mean, my, I don't have a problem drafting a guy that's gotten it if he's back with the team before my draft. Okay. Um, now, so for instance, like last night, I obviously did not draft Charlie Blackman. Uh, yeah, okay. And I, for my, my first main event, which is next Thursday. I will not be drafting Hector Neris or Scott Kingery. Yeah, I won't either. Um, I mean, unless they fall so far. I mean, everyone I, has I, a price, right? Yeah, and it gets stupid, and you start talking like twenty fifth plus round, something yeah. dumb like that, or even twentieth round. I think for like Neris, I think I'd have to look at. For but instance, my guess he, is he went in the bottom of the eighth round last night. Hector Neris did. And Kingery went in the 12th. I see it right now. And so I couldn't imagine drafting Neris before uh, the 15th. Okay. And Kingery before the 20th. And Kingery... Um, I don't even know if I would draft Kingery at all. I mean, I guess maybe like the 25th. I'm looking at players. Like, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez won in the 25th round. I think until I know, I'd rather have Neris. Or, for instance, I took Brandon Nimmo in the 22nd round. I, and Justin Smoke went in the 22nd round. Uh, so maybe, you know, the 23rd and, round is where I'd start looking at it. And Smoke just hit a big uptick on your uh, mm-hmm. first base rankings that came out. Yeah. Because of the DH for the NL, I imagine, yes? Yeah. So, yeah, I... I'm probably not drafting either guy, uh, considering where I think they'll still probably go. That's the thing, you know. Yeah. You're, you're saying that the 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 round with which you would look at them, but it, I I doubt they're going to necessarily fall that deep. So that's pretty much a no go for you. And I understand it with regards to Naris and Kingry. You know, Kingry's one of those guys that, as somebody who who definitely favors. Uh, positional flexibility. I think he's actually only coming in with third this year. And if leagues don't adjust uh, eligibility rules, uh, actually he'll have third in outfield. Uh, but if leagues don't adjust eligibility rules, it's going to be hard for players to add more um, or, or establish new ones for next year when you have to have 20. I don't, I mean, so, I think every site, I mean, NFBC has already said it's going to be four games. Oh, uh, great. 
and so in Tout Wars and uh, in Labor have both said four games. I think most sites will probably do four four games. Yahoo doing you know one inning, um, <laughs> uh, and I think I think sites will make a determination after the season. Todd Zola, I think it was said on the on the Rotor Wire podcast. Like the way leagues should do it is, you know, figure out how many. There's like I think thirty or forty multi-positional eligibility eligibility. Uh, wow, I can't speak right now. Multi-eligible players uh, this year. So figure out what would make around that for next year after the season. So is it seven games? Is it eight games? Is it ten games? Uh, and, and and use that as kind of a barometer for for the next year. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um... Yeah, it looks like seven, eight games this year would be the equivalent of the 20 games over a full season to, to have somebody acquire a new position that they can hold for next year. And then uh, you said a lot of sites go into four games in season, so that'll work. But yeah, um, that was one thing I, I was wondering about because Kingery can play second. Um, you know, he played short in 2018. And obviously they have guys there, but of course, you know, Players bounce around, injuries happen. So, and he was a double-double guy last year, 19 homers, 15 steals. Skills weren't insane, though. He's kind of a league average hitter, 26 years old. But I, I was liking Kingry a bit. I'm going to peel off here based on on this undisclosed ailment. With Neris, there's definitely a price, but I agree with you. It's He's probably not going to fall to it because mm-hmm. people are still pushing you know, I think there's saves. a lot of... Yeah, there's a saves panic, and I'm going to ask you about that in your draft if it's played if it played out because I've been hearing it without any drafts yet. Just as far as draft prep, people have been talking about pushing them up and getting the the stable, the more stable guys because they don't want to deal with the uh, with the trouble of it in season. And I totally totally get that. Um, one other guy, Brandon Drury, kind of a deep league sort of thing. AL only maybe last two rounds of a 15 team um, also completely unknown impossible to figure out ailment put him on the il in other news also unrelated i'm sorry for these non sequiturs toronto had some guys get covid i don't know could it could they be linked doubtful i'm kidding obviously laying on the sarcasm pretty thickly here again but it's it's just it's just so blatant it, it, brandon yeah. jury has covid and um that's going to kind of take him out of, of the mix there. And again, this was deep, deep league only. I imagine he's off your board, even in like an AL only. Yeah. He's off my board as well. It actually makes Travis Shaw even more interesting. More because, stable. Yeah. Yeah. Because now there's no platoon partner for him. Mm-hmm. At, least, uh, At least initially. Yeah. Initially. So uh, I think, I mean, they obviously could bring someone up from their squad. Uh, maybe they bring up like a, a Kevin Smith. I don't know. Kevin, yeah. Can't really play first. Oh, Jordan Groshans, if they want to start the clock on him after seven days. Um, <laughs> True. So, but, I mean, this could know, be a was... team that's all in. Oh, and back to uh, Philadelphia real quick, because I, I forgot okay. to mention this. Uh, you know, Tommy Hunter uh, and Ranger Suarez is kind of a big deal in conjunction with Hector Neris. That's well, three yeah, members of... Well, and it's three members of their bullpen. Yeah, which wasn't great to begin with. No. Uh, is Nick Pavetta the closer if, you know, Tommy Hunter and, and Hector Neris aren't ready for the start of the season? Uh, why not? That might not be a bad idea. That could be the fit for him, you know. He was loved by the community, myself included, as a uh, as, as a starter a couple of years ago and, and famously flopped. Uh, I got to be honest, as much as I, I, I did like him, the price got so high that I didn't get caught up in too many uh, uh, too many shares of Pavetta on, on my ball clubs. But then last year, out of the bullpen, most uh, split bullpen and relief, or excuse me, bullpen and starting, showed a little something out of the bullpen. Stuff is still there, too. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an opportunity and and makes the most of it as as a reliever here for Pavetta. And it could be in a key role as the closer. So that's a good call. Let's say you were doing the draft tonight, rerunning your draft. Mm-hmm. Would you take Pavetta? Yeah, sure, in the last round. I mean... Did, uh, he, did he go at all in, in the draft? I, I don't believe he did. So 
yeah, now oh, no, he did. News. He went in the 26th round to uh, Colin Weatherwax. Okay, so you probably have to go a little bit higher then. Would you pay 22nd round? Okay. Because we don't I, even know. Yeah. That's where I got Nimmo and, you know, oh, and yeah. we I got Wade Miley and Samarja and Homer Bailey after that. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm still not taking him over those guys. Okay. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. But that's Nick Pavetta. That's a good call, though, because Suarez and Hunter both relievers. That's three pieces out of a bullpen. Adam Morgan, Nick Pavetta, um, Victor Arano, Daniel De Los Santos. He could also be an interesting one. Daniel De Los Santos throws pretty hard. So, yeah, because Sir Anthony Dominguez is hurting, and David Robertson had TJ just last year. So he's he's a no-go for sure. So, yeah, they don't really have much going there, and that's a good call-out. And if Neris isn't back in time, somebody has to close. Speaking of closers, uh, Jordan Hicks to the IL, recovering from TJ. So this isn't in necessarily a major surprise. I think there was some expectation that he might be ready to go because of the time off, but he needs a little bit more time. So I imagine a couple weeks at least. I This is another one I'm wondering, are you drafting? Are you drafting Jordan Hicks now? Um, we don't know if, if he just is going to miss the camp and then be out a week or two into the season, but that's obviously a heck of a lot of time. So where do you stand with regards to Jordan Hicks's draft stock? I'm pretty much out on the uh, Cardinals bullpen. I mean, they, they've lost Brevia. Uh, Hicks now uh, back to the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess your 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 dude Gallegos is a little bit more entrenched in that role. He already was. I I mean I know you feel he was, but yeah, uh, I I mean at this point, I mean, uh, Heasley or Heisley, Helsley, Helsley, Heasley, whatever. Um, I mean he's still kind of an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not drafting Hicks. I wasn't going to be drafting Hicks anyways. It's just too early off of the Tommy John uh, for him to, you know, I mean, he, he struggled with command to begin with. So Exactly. <laughs> he had no idea where the ball was going anyway. So, it was going yeah. fast. That's how he knew. Or yep. what he knew. Fast and somewhere in the general vicinity toward the plate, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Gallegos is there. Um, you know, Andrew Miller always lingering, at least if, say, there were two or three lefties coming up in the ninth, you could see him copping some saves. I know Helsley was an interesting pick. I know some folks were on the Brevia train saying that he could be an interesting gamble there if they didn't believe in Gallegos because they hadn't come out and said, like, Gallegos is our guy 1,000%. Um, yeah, and but then, of course, at this point, he's the last man standing. I, I And I think so. There's also uh, Alex Reyes. You know, I don't trust his health. <laughs> I don't trust him either. Yeah. But maybe it's, you know, maybe it's finally like, okay, we can't get him as a starter. And he becomes an elite reliever. But I don't know that he would instantly ascend to the ninth. But I know people want to keep drafting the arm talent. I, I've been out on Reyes now for a couple of years just saying, show me something, then I'll jump back in. Love the talent, rooting for the kid without a doubt. But it's just been too much. So, yeah, I say Gallegos is the guy to get. I understand the note on Hicks said that they'll go with committee. They didn't even say Gallegos there. So it could be a cluster. I get it. For me, Gallegos has a right price that his ADP has has been around. I've I've certainly seen situations where I'll take him. But if he bumps up because of Hicks going to the IL, I might end up passing on on the St. Louis bullpen as well. All right, we got a trade. And... uh, I know this one made you happy. We, it, the, <laughs> both of us, really, we talked about this guy quite a bit. When Oakland got Tony Kemp, we didn't know what the hell they were doing. It ruined two of our guys, or at least made their lives more difficult. You're a huge Franklin Barreto guy. I know you like Mateo, too. Uh, I'm a big Mateo guy. We, we were ready for those guys to have an opportunity, maybe to battle it out or share the role in some capacity. Nope, let's bring in Tony Kemp for no reason. Now that made it a bit untenable. I'm saying, come on, Tigers, 24-year-old Mateo, go get him. 25-year-old Beretta, uh, no, also 24, Beretta, go get, go, you know, go get one of these guys here. It can't cost that much. The Oakland's up against it. Well, San Diego swooped in and did just that. And of course, it's not even that surprising. Oakland and San Diego have had a great relationship of trading, so I'm not even surprised by this move. Uh, they get Jorge Mateo, the 25-year-old for a player to be named later doesn't mean it won't be a good player but 
that's not a huge price. Generally, players to be named later are not very good. Um, you know, they're just a little little something for the organizational depth. I like this move. And uh, even though the, the other guy that they got at second base, also from Oakland, Jerickson Profar, he's a name, but he hasn't really shown enough to say that he has that blocked off and he can't be uh, he can't be pushed. Not only that, but Mateo can play a little bit of outfield. And currently we have Trent Grisham and Franchi Cordero in two of their outfield spots, neither of whom are locked and loaded. I know there's some hype on Grisham and I understand it and actually agree with it, but he's also not guaranteed anything. So Mateo to San Diego, currently in a in a bench utility role, but could it could we finally have him set in a situation where he can go off? I think so. And I, I mean, I prior to everything getting shut down, I was drafting Mateo everywhere, uh, and I'm I continued that theme last night. So you know, I took him in the 25th round to make sure, uh, or the 20 26th round to make sure I got him. Uh, and I'm stoked because a, a lot of people are like, well, this hurts Jorge Mateo. You know, he's going to be stuck behind. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Profor sucks. Yeah. Like, there's it, no way it hurts him at, at worst, at worst, 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 neutral. But I don't even agree with that because there were three guys battling. Now there's now, now it's Profar versus Mateo. Sorry, Greg Garcia. I don't, I don't find him to be a, Greg Garcia is a perfect bench bat and come off. Do a little something for you. But as far as the starting second base role, it's a two-man battle now between Profar and Mateo. And like I said, Mateo could find some outfield time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, I like Trent Grisham, uh, you know, not as much as uh, Alex Chamberlain, but uh, I like him. But he he's not proven. Will Myers has proven he can't be trusted. Uh, Franchi uh, Cordero is not proven. There, there's plenty of spots uh, that Mateo can get in, uh, even if it's just as like a super util guy. Uh, yeah, because in Oakland, the outfield wasn't open. Canha, mm-hmm. Loriano, Piscotti, when healthy, that's pretty much locked and loaded. Pinder gets an occasional time in there. Uh, but even now, that, that's going to be hard for him because he's more of a lefty beater, lefty uh, hitter. Uh, he can hit lefties, excuse me, for Pinder, whereas all three of those guys are already righties. So even that's tough. So Mateo wasn't really breaking into the Oakland outfield, so second base was really only his only avenue. I think in San Diego – it's more open. So no, I cannot get behind this hurting him in any capacity. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm all on board the hype train. Uh, and I, I hope that people listen to those people who are on Twitter yesterday saying this hurts him because I want to get him late. And I mean, worst yeah, case scenario, round. yeah, worst case scenario, he, you know, he becomes a drop for me, but he's yeah. also got game changing speed. And you got Grisham on that team as well too. So, um, Oh my God! You did take Malik Smith. You're so bad. <laughs> I hate you. Let's talk about it, baby. I hate you so much. Yeah, let's transition into it and talk about your draft here. So this is a main event qualifier. Uh, did you guys set it up the way you did last year, where it was basically a friends with fantasy benefits? Yeah, draft? every That's single awesome. person is uh, in the friends fantasy benefits or uh, on the friends fantasy benefits staff. Uh, you know, some people know like Michael Alexander and Mike Warner. Uh, Colin Weatherwax, Colin. Uh, Walter McMichael, uh, you know Scott Chu also. Scotty Chu, yeah, yeah from from Pitcher List, um, Greg Blankenship, who is a uh, uh, a draft addict. So uh, yeah, it was it was fun. We did live stream with a number of people jumping in, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about my team. All right, well, let's talk some details here. Let's just start with the 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 overall feeling, the the general tenor of it with virtually no ADP to really go off of because it's not, I'm not sure using a March ADP is going to be all that valuable. What, what was the feeling in the room as you're, you know, bringing in folks to talk to them on the stream and all that? Um, It might not have been that different. Maybe it was just a regular old draft or was it kind of flying blind a little bit? How did it feel just going through the draft process again? I think a lot of people felt very uncomfortable. Okay, uh, and I mean, I know there were times where I did too, because I'm probably two thirds of the way through my ranks. Uh, yes, and then you've been posting them on the site, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, and so, it, I mean, still, I you know, I have still yet to do. I think shortstop and outfield are my last two. Um, oh, and catcher, which shouldn't be very difficult. Um, so, I mean, it's a little uncomfortable because there were definitely guys that uh, that dropped that won't. 
in, for instance, my main event uh, draft that comes up next week. Uh, okay. you know, a guy like Alex Verdugo went way later uh, than he should. Oh, because well, yeah, because now he's back and, and mm-hmm. ready to go. Yeah, so he so. went in the thirteenth round. That won't happen. Uh, Sam Hilliard went in the fourteenth round. That won't happen. Uh, so there are definitely some guys that probably dropped in this draft that that definitely shouldn't have. Uh, but it, it was a it was a definitely an interesting exercise and fun exercise. A lot of smart guys uh, in in this league. Uh, I was. I, I was expecting the closer run to hit the way it did. I was n- not quite expecting to see the starting pitching run that I that I did see. All right. Well, let's talk about your draft. Mm-hmm. Did you come in with a specific game plan about whether it was on categories or positions, or were you just putting together? A, you know, sometimes you come in. You've got this hammered out. You know, I'm, I'm saying you as a, a general you like players. We go in and we have. This game plan, I'm going to do these categories, or I'm going to get these players. I'm going to get these positions. Um, I'm going to go positional scarcity or whatever. Did you come in with anything like that, or just more of a, I know the guys I like. I want to put together a well-balanced team. What was your overall game plan going in? Uh, For the most part, I wanted to pound hitting. uh, Okay. And kind of, I feel really comfortable with kind of the lower end of the pitching pool. So, I like to get at least one ace somewhere in the first three to four rounds. And I was really hoping to get one in, you know, kind of the one, two turn. So I was drafting 15th. Uh, and I was just but four went in the first. Four yeah. Pitchers. All four guys that I have in my first tier went. Uh, and I mean, I was sitting there at 15 looking at Walker Bueller and Juan Soto still available at 13. And they went back to back. They went 13, 14. <laughs> yep. And so that was a huge bummer because I was. I was hoping one of them might fall uh, to me and make my decision a little bit easier of who to pair with Jose Ramirez. Uh, I, I, so that was, uh, I, I wanted to get closers early. I didn't, I do not. And we had an argument, uh, I had an argument with uh, Walter McMichael later on. It might have actually been after the draft. Uh, yeah, it was after the draft ended and we just kind of sat around and talked for a little while on stream because uh, he took Sean Doolittle. And I was all like, yeah, I don't want to deal with Sean Doolittle. I mean, his injury history, uh, I don't even think he's necessarily the closer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at best, I think he he shares opportunities. Like, I don't want to play around with those guys. So I I, I'm, I moved up the closers I like and make sure I got, and, and made sure I got him. When you paired him with Craig Kimbrell, so yeah, no, he he, he regretted that. Um, so it looks like you executed then. Yeah. Because I see an ace in the third round, Lucas Giolito. I see early saves with Chapman in the sixth, Ken Giles in the eighth, and then I see playing into the uh, into the middle back end of the of the pitching pool um, quite nicely with with a lot of guys that that you've propped up: uh, Shark, Miley, Kyle Gibson, uh, Andrew Heaney. You know, and speaking of not wanting to mess with Doolittle as far as uh, you know his health unfortunately has, has been problematic, but Daniel Hudson being there, you got Daniel Hudson. So you got a piece of a third bullpen there on a quality team. So you're not going to be in that saves rat race, chasing guys um, throughout this 60 game sprint. And that's the big reason for me. That's why I want to draft saves. I don't want to be messing with that. It, it, I know we're going to have the thousand dollar budget for 60 days. It's going to create some awesome silliness with waivers. Um, but I don't want to be looking at, my close, you know, some closer goes down, a new one pops up. Do I spend six hundred dollars of my budget on it? No, thank you. I'm, I'm just not interested in that. So I totally understand that. Um, well, I, I said it worked, but I'll ask you. Do you think your game plan worked? That did you execute? I think so. I, I, okay. I think it worked fairly well. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be picks I kind of wish I had back, where I went, oh. Yeah, I shouldn't have taken that guy because this guy went later, and I actually think I might, you know, like that a little bit more. And there's obviously guys that I missed out on. Like I, I thought I had lined up perfectly to take uh, Kyle Hendricks in the in the back end of the ninth, uh, and and Bruce Cagle, uh, another smart said guy. No, sir. Yeah, he, said no, sir. Oh no, joke. Like fired him on the stream. 
like Jill. <laughs> <laughs> and there was only one other pitcher that went that round too. So mm-hmm. I, I, we can't say for sure that nobody in that range would have taken Hendricks, but dang, it's it's not like it was a big pitcher run and, and you can kind of justify saying, Oh, I would have lost him anyway. Uh, there was one other pitcher after he took Hendricks. Maybe he would have skated to you if Kegel doesn't take him. Yeah. Uh, you got Kenta Maeda, though, and I love Kenta Maeda. So I don't really think you have anything to worry about there. And you, you paired it up. You went back-to-back Maeda Price. Um, the three of them together, when you look at Hendricks, Maeda Price, they're all close. So I, I don't think you really lost out there that much. Yeah, I wanted some kind of guaranteed safe innings. Uh, and then paired with, obviously, some upside and guys like, you know, Andrew Heaney, uh, who, who I took later. Uh but I, I definitely just, I for the most part, I didn't want to overreact to some of the pitching runs. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, get some guys I felt comfortable with, but really pound that offense. And I feel like Corey Soler uh, in the in the seventh was uh, a nice bargain uh, mm-hmm. for, for no apparent reason, uh, you know. And then uh, Chris Davis. Soler's just not getting the love comparable to what he did last year and i wonder why i i maybe people don't believe it maybe it's because he's in kansas city but everything about it checks out as far as like being a transcendent power hitter you know like okay i I can get behind saying he won't repeat the career year and and hit to the same but that's fine you know he played 162 games too that that plays a role in dropping 48 bombs but He's 30 in his sleep, and I know that's a big drop down down from 48, but he has transcendent power, and we take guys like Sano all the time who also has transcendent power but can't get through a season, and we just saw Soler put up a full season. I, yeah, I think seventh round, that feels like two rounds, uh, like a two-round discount, I think. Yeah, it, I, I, really, I really don't understand why he continues to – in some why is, drafts, it just why is just, Pete Alonso a second rounder yeah. and Jorge Soler is a seventh rounder? You want to hear his numbers from July twenty fourth on last year? I, I do actually, I really do. Twenty one home runs, <laughs> forty four runs, forty six RBIs, three stolen bases, and a two ninety two average. That's bananas, dude. Like that is MVP caliber in a sixty game season. Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's filthy. So like I'm I'm all aboard the Jorge Soler train. I don't think he'll last as long as he did uh, in this draft. In you know in my next draft, which is the main event. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, no, I I really like that. You know, one of the other things I tried to do was get a lot of positional flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think you executed that. Yeah, and it, it's something I was pounding before all of this kind of you know everything got shut down. Uh, and I'm going to continue to kind of found is I I want the guys like Muncy, uh, you know one of the reasons I took Bregman, uh, you know with my first with the first pick of the second round, uh, you know guys that uh, are gonna play but also play multiple positions because like what if we have guys that go down with COVID? You're gonna need to be able to fill a lot of different spots. Exactly. Uh, and so and I think I did a good job of that. And injuries aren't going to take a year off either, like standard baseball injuries, yep. right? So we're going to have those it, coming in. It could in. be more prevalent because of exactly. the time off. Exactly. So I think flexibility is as important as ever. And, I, you know, hopefully people continue to undervalue it and you and I can can scoop it up because I, I've i always had a, a favoring toward it and it's going, to, it's going to be amplified this year. By the way, I think you've got four guys who could realistically win the home run crown. With Jimenez, Muncie, Soler, and Chris Davis, who I like on a bounce back in the twelfth round, um, I really like that. And I, as much as I really don't like Malik Smith, and we like to meme on it, um, I do think you set it up to be able to to take on his, you know, two homers that he's going to get, or maybe even one homer. Um, so I think that you set that up nicely because you also got, you know, those are just the four guys that could win the home run crown. You got other guys hitting for power too. Uh, scattered throughout your lineup, and he's really that one guy. So you did plan for Malik. I mean, you're always planning to take him because you're an idiot. So uh, <laughs> at least you're well-versed in in making that, that game plan to take Malik Smith there. So I, I do think that that actually worked. And then you got uh, contribution steals elsewhere. I love I love the Shogo Akiyama pick. I was taking him everywhere I could, and I'll continue to do so in any drafts that I do. 
participate in the rest of the way. Big, big fan there. So, yeah, I think you really set up nicely there uh, with everything that you did. Uh, Brandon Lau, love that pick. Uh, he's awesome. He could smash. Nick Solak, you know, he's UT only right now, so you have two UT only guys, but he's going to get eligibility. Yeah, he'll, he'll be first base eligible, which uh, pretty quickly, I think. I, I don't think he is going to, you know, give up a whole lot of time. And with a four game eligibility, even in a sixty game season, I think he he could he could get multiple positions. So like could find himself with a couple positions. Now not not a ton, you know, I don't think he's gonna play somewhere new every day. Um you mentioned first base. That could be a spot that he takes over too. Yeah. He could push Ronald Guzman out of there. I think he uh, likely he, will. Yeah, even as a even as the righty in a righty lefty combo there, I, I think he has enough to where he could just overpower him and say Nah, first base is mine completely. I love Solak. So I'm surprised you didn't get our other Texas guy, though. Willie Calhoun, were you snaked on him or you just... Uh, at that just point, in, I just at that point in the draft, I, I was looking at other things. Yeah. No, I feel, I feel you. Sometimes it doesn't it doesn't pan out to get somebody like that. Uh, but I, I like I like what you've done here. And you mix some, some veterans with some upside. We talked about Grisham, who has some upside. Carter Keyboom. Um, but again, that's paired with... You know, Chris Davis, who is steady, Eddie, boring, but you know what you're going to get. And it could actually boom a bit uh, with his health being back. Joey Votto, if he finds any bit of his power, if not, he's just scoring runs for days for you at the at the top of a quality lineup there. Brandon Nimmo, you mentioned earlier. Did you take Austin Nola on the idea that hopefully yes. uh, as the backup catcher, he qualifies soon? Yeah, one of the things that and I'm glad this perfect transition because I was just about to bring this up. You know, one of the things in terms of attacking multi-position eligibility that people should think about, because obviously the guys like Muncie and LeMahieu uh, and uh, McNeil are, mm -hmm. they already come in with that added eligibility and people will, you know, pay up for that. There are a bunch of guys who will gain eligibility in season uh, that are going much later, you know, and so that's the reason I grabbed Solak. That's the reason I grabbed Carter Keyboom. That's the reason I grabbed Jorge Mateo and Austin Nola is on top of just liking their overall skill sets. I also like the idea that, okay, they're eligible at one position now. I mean, everybody but Solak. Uh, and they're going to gain at least one more at some point. Yep. I like that. And I, I love Nola. I've been taking him as a sneaky C2 who doesn't have catcher yet, but he should back up Tom Murphy, but also play elsewhere when he's not catching. So I, I am really excited by that. I think that was a good pick by you there. Well done. All right, let's talk a bit more uh, elsewhere. Let's uh, uh, other people's picks. Were there any? What were some of the crazy picks? And I put crazy in quotes. Not that we're we're blasting the picks, but ones that kind of jarred you a little bit that were far afield from ADP. Guys planting their flag that you took notice of. I know you're somebody that's open to doing that too. So again, we're not criticizing. But what were some of the stand? Let's call them standout picks instead of crazy picks. Then, um, but what were some of those picks that that happened? Uh, Aaron Judge in the fourth. In what the fourth? Yeah, okay, that's confidence. Yeah, Mike Warner, uh, my boy. Uh, Love Mike. Uh, you know, real smart guy. That Stanton he, went a little bit before him, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, he had a few of these kind of picks. So, I mean, uh, you know, I loved his start of Trey Turner, Shane Bieber, and then Javier Baez. But then he follows it up with Aaron Judge in the fourth. He takes Nick Anderson in the sixth, you know, ahead of Canley Jensen. You know what's interesting is his fifth and seventh picks I like better than his fourth and sixth. Mm -hmm. I do like, too. I, I, I think they could have been the four six, and that's Moncada and Kenley Jansen ahead of Judge and Nick Anderson. So I guess if he's getting some benefit on those picks, he's balancing out, maybe giving a back a little bit of it uh, by taking Judge and Anderson early. Now, there was actually a report on Judge that I kind of glossed over a little bit earlier. Let me find it. That they have some confidence. I mean, look, I know it's been all over the map here. But, yeah, Cashman said on Tuesday that they are, quote, very optimistic that he could be ready for opening day. Yeah, I don't believe that. And I won't believe it until I, I've heard that he's playing an actual, like, spring training point, you know, 2.0 like games. Yeah. yeah. Until until I know he's actually playing games, I, I'm just not I'm just not going to do it. It just I, I haven't been I, yeah I haven't been looking at Judge. I, obviously, this is you know back in the uh, 
during the draft period, I wasn't really in on him. But even now, with the time passed, I he's a bigger risk than I want, as, as good as Judge is. And it's another one of those that, that I root for him from afar. He can do well for other folks. It's not he's not going to be on my team. Uh, anything else as far as let's talk some other standout picks that you saw that you were that you want to discuss? Uh, I mean, it was less about guys like jumping guys up and more to me about guys who fell that I was very surprised oh, yeah. let's, about. Let's talk about some followers then. I mean, uh, uh, Mondesi fell to the third round. And that is pretty surprising. I was really surprised he didn't go in, you know, the early second. Uh, I mean, I've seen people take him in the first. Uh, yeah. And I mean, not that, you know, Shouts to siege. Yeah. And he was in the in, in the like the chat section of the live stream. He's like, wow, 36 for Mondesi is insane. <laughs> and I tend to agree, even though I'm not a Mondesi guy. Uh, like I won't take him in the first round, but if I'm sitting at the back end of the second and Mondesi is still there, it's going to be really hard for me to pass him up. Uh, I mean, it's there's steamer only projects, uh, six guys, I believe to steal double digit bases. Wow. Double digit, double digit bases. I thought you were going to say like a threshold, like 15 or 20. Only six to even get yeah. ten. Yeah. So Mondesi is, the, is Mondesi yeah, the and leader. the leader. Mondesi, Turner, then Malik's, Jonathan VR, Acuna, Robles. Those are the six that Steamer projects to have uh, to have ten stolen bases or more. Um, and I think he, that just gives you such a leg up. Uh, yeah. You know, if you know now, there's always the health concerns and. Um, you know, so I would have been much more likely to take him in a draft like this without the overall component, because uh, I, I definitely want to make sure I'm banking stats. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's I think a top 20, 20, 20 25 player in this format, and I just I'm I'm surprised that he fell. Yeah, I'm on to see thirty six and. Um... I don't. Speaking of falling, Albie's behind Hira and Merrifield. Okay, and see, this was a this turned into a huge argument on the live stream because uh, Bruce uh, uh, Kegel, um, he's like Albie shouldn't even be a third rounder. He, Excuse me. He, yeah, he thinks that he's overrated. That uh, he um, that he doesn't. Ha- I, I I about lost my mind. Bruce, <laughs> my man. <laughs> You're dead wrong. Um, you know, I I just overrated. How he thinks that he's not uh, like he's a. I I don't understand the process behind it. Honestly, it just it actually boggled my mind that he doesn't have a ton of upside. That oh like I'm like he's 23. Like yeah, he, I cu- I couldn't disagree more. Coming off uh two seasons in which he was a five category contributor, he's afraid he's not going to run as much. Uh, like I, I, I don't understand. Like you know, he's like, well, I, I'll, I'll take a guy like you know, uh, you know, Loriano, um, over him because like Loriano, if he if he plays a full season, he's gonna produce more. I'm like, but Albi's had 701 plate appearances last year. He plays every day. You know, he's going to play every day. That's the thing. He plays every day, and I mean, I'm not sure that's the right guy to to say that with. I, I feel like, and I love Loriano. I feel like they would be kind of the, the same. Now I know he's, you know, he'd point to saying he had 24 and 13 last year in 123 games. Loriano did, and Albies went 24, 15 in a full season. I like Loriano, but we can't just extrapolate the 123 and say that he would be or guarantee you know, that he's going to play 55 games this year. Like exactly, it just and you know on top of that, like the the huge amount of plate appearances that Albies gets hitting at the top of that lineup is huge when you have a 300 batting average. Exactly. And 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 even this year, you know, outside of, you know, major injury, it's going to be hard to solidify yourself as a big volume guy outside of people getting injuries around you and you pushing up that way. But one of the ways to do it is to be part of a good lineup that bats more often and get the edge there. So maybe somebody, maybe and, you play the same amount of games as other guys, but you get 
20 extra plate appearances because your team is so much better. And every plate appearance is going to be important this year. Mm-hmm. The, the, the main event overall will likely be decided on the last day. It's going to be someone, you know, who sits, someone who doesn't, like, is, yep. is the reason someone wins the main event and someone else doesn't. And so, like, a guy like Albies that I know is just going to be there uh, and be producing in all five categories while he's there is is someone I love. Like, I think, by the way, I think that was a great pick by, by Derek. I, I, I thought it was fantastic and interesting setup for him. He went story, Torres, Albies. So he went short, second, middle off rip and really really jumped into that uh, and, and pool then, there and then, then to- LeMahieu yeah then he grabbed LeMahieu and uh McNeil in the 5-6 so i mean yeah he, uh yeah he's he's got his middle infield covered that's for sure well and he depleted that pool you know he's going to put LeMahieu and and McNeil at the corners oh and then JD Davis who's multi position eligible also has it yeah John Birdie um so yeah i i i really like what he did there and i thought i think Almis is a uh, great pick. Hate uh, his pitching staff, but yeah. There's no world where I'm taking Keston Hira over Ozzy Albies. It's just, it's just not happening. And I'm I, probably not taking Whit Merrifield. I find that more justifiable, though. I'd have to double-check my second base ranks, but I'm okay if people want to take that move, but the idea that it's like a foregone conclusion that they should, I think that is a mistake. I don't know, man. I, I'm not... <sighs> I'd want to have a conversation with a big hero backer because I, I don't think it's even justifiable to be honest. Um, I mean, the, take, it's an upside pick. Hero over always, but what upside does he have that always doesn't? Oh, I mean, I think Hero has a, a little bit more upside in terms of in terms of the power, especially. I don't agree. I don't agree. I mean, he but, hit 19 uh, home runs last year in 348 plate appearances. I know. You know, I mean, his line was... 31% yeah, of the time his, his line was Albies-esque in a half season. I know. How many guys do we need to talk about who have had great half seasons? Oh, I, I'm not saying, like, it's the right call or that it's the, that he's going to repeat it. I un- I'm saying I understand the argument. I have... I have Albies ranked fifth. Uh, actually, I'm going to move him up before I post. I'm going to move him up to four. Move Kettle Marte down a spot. Um, can can we get into this, too? Speaking, Staying on second base, how come there were five second basemen taken before Altuve was taken? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, maybe I, people I are afraid of him. Maybe people are afraid that he's not going to run again, that he was benefited by the buzzer. Uh, You're an idiot if you, if you think that that made him. No, I mean I don't think that. I mean I think not that's, you. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. People in general no, I'm foolish. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, ah, I I think he's another he's a one. Of, average god. Yeah, no and I think what happened. I think he's Albies with a longer track record. <laughs> I mean, is what he is. Uh, with upside, you know, uh, we've seen a huge upside from him. So yeah. I'm 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 totally fine taking Altuve. He may have just fallen into this kind of you know older guy that's not as sexy as he used to be, and so people have the hate has gone a little bit too far to steal an old Matthew Berry term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to think so. I mean, back in March, my second base rankings, he was number one. <laughs> yeah, and Altuve was two, and they go. Uh, they they go later at the position there than than I really expected. That, I, I have uh, Torres one, VR two, Altuve three, Albies four. Not sure where I'm going to be in a re rank, but it'll probably be pretty similar. All right, anybody else that fell that that stood out to you? Um, let's see. Uh, oh, a guy who didn't fall uh, that stood out to me was JT Rumoto in the fourth. Uh, Were which, you expecting him to dip? Uh. I wasn't expecting him to dip. I just I, I really liked the pick. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I actually thought about taking him on the three four turn, yeah. just because I think he is so far and away the best catcher this year, especially in the shortened season, uh, where he likely could get some extra at bats at DH when he's not catching. Uh, That's a good call. And I just think the pool drops off a huge amount. Uh, you know, in the in the catcher position and just in general, and so to get that number one guy that I think is going to be uh, playing a, a whole lot, uh, 
Like, I, I think there is an argument for him in the second round. I don't think I would take him there, but I think there's an argument for it. Yeah, Real Muto went in the fourth. The next catcher didn't go until the seventh. Yeah. When uh, Grandal and Sanchez went back to back. And then the next ones weren't taken until the ninth. So you see the spread of the catcher pool. You punted catcher. Um, you made yeah. your last two picks, and or excuse me, two of your last three picks. And technically, kind of three of your last four. We talked about Austin Nolan. He doesn't have catcher yet. He is Tom Murphy's backup, though. And Murphy didn't really hit well against righties. And they're both righties, but Nola could actually get some of the strong side stuff behind the dish. And like I said, he's playing around the field during his off days. But then you took Barnhart and Flowers there just to get two guys who are their their team's everyday guys. And, you well, know, Fla- gonna... Flowers isn't the everyday guy oh, yeah, with, yeah, with Darno there. Bar- Barnhart is, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Flowers is splitting. But he, he is going to get guaranteed time mm-hmm. uh, as far as staying in the rotation there because of his defense. And so, yeah, but... Darno's injury history, too. So Exactly, exactly. So he could become a full-timer. But by then, you might already have Nola, and then you're deciding between Barnhart and Flowers, whoever's doing better. We'll see how that goes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find some other picks that maybe I like. But if you have another one, let me know here as I'm looking. Mm, let's see. I mean, I was a little surprised that – I was surprised that I wasn't that Hater went in the fourth. Um, oh, yeah. I was kind of wondering when the first closer would go. And he was indeed the first closer. Yeah. Fourth. Fifth pick in the fourth round of a 15-teamer. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I I don't have a problem with. If you think he's the guy, uh, and I, I Especially do Especially with the, the start yeah. that Popping um, got off to. Arenado, Freeman, Springer. Great trio of offense there. And if, if you are a Bauer backer, I'm, I'm not a huge one, but Hater Bauer, just open his pitching, um, is not bad. Yeah. It's not bad at all. Bra- uh, Brandon Woodruff in the seventh is really low, I thought. Uh, I was, you know, there was this huge pitcher run early and then it kind of dried up for a little bit, you know, and then we, you know, we did not see a starter go, you know, after the mid, oh, let's see. Uh, yeah. From, uh, the entire fifth round, we didn't see a starter go. Oh yeah, no. Well, then... never mind. Granky went. Sorry. But oh, yeah, yeah. He's in the mix of that. there were, that there were a few starters that really dropped, which, uh, that really, that, that surprised me a little bit. Um, but I also kind of agree with it, and I, I played into it a little bit uh, as well and, and kind of grabbed the offense uh, that I could. So, yeah, um, I mean, Stanton's still going in the fourth with the news that he's going to, you know, likely just be a DH, which means he's not completely healthy, is a bit scary. Uh, Suarez in the fifth was, uh, I felt like, a little low. Yeah, I think that's a, that's kind of low for him. You know who I liked? I, I thought was a great pick, Hunjin Ryu in the eleventh. He went down instead of going up. Yeah, I think that's I, lower than his ADP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a guy that I kind of just kept looking at and looking at, and I almost took him instead of David Price, but I just felt like Price gave me a little bit more safety, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know with Giolito, I love Giolito and I love the upside. I think he's gonna be. Uh, a stud there's always a chance that he's you know he's got an injury history that's extensive uh, there's always a chance he you know loses the mechanics that he uh that he put together last year uh mm-hmm. and so i i wanted to draft some safer guys and that's why i went after maeda and price as opposed to grabbing uh ryu uh but yeah no he shouldn't have gotten left julio urias went in the 12th love that too I I was so surprised. He, he he another guy that I mean I even ranked right next to David Price, who I took in the tenth. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the, and the only reason you didn't take uh, Urias at eleven twelve is you had just taken two pitchers, and you kind of were getting two guys that pair really well: Malik Smith, Chris Davis. There, you you had a game plan you were executing there, so um, that's why you didn't just take Urias yourself. But that is that is a bargain, I think. I mean, it, and I asked the question because. Uh, let's see, where did Lazardo go in this draft? Uh, Lazardo went in the eighth, which is lower than he's been going. Um, like, what's the difference? And to the same guy. So what's the difference yeah. between Lazardo and Urias? Well, Marquez and Lamette went over Urias, yeah. too. Oh, I, I reamed whoever drafted Lamette. That was Haynes. Uh, yeah, it was Haynes. He, he had just left the stream, but was still kind of hanging around. Um, and I brought him back in to yell at him. <laughs> 
What did he say? What was his justification? For some, he, for, he couldn't figure out how to unmute his mic for some reason, so then I just I kicked him right out. I was like, you know what? You don't get to explain yourself. You don't deserve it. So, uh, well, it, it looks uh, it looks like a fun draft here. Nothing was uh, you know out of bounds, uh, but there were a lot of movers and shakers, and and I think it's kind of fun flying blind sometimes, though, where you don't have you know a guiding ADP that really keeps everything quote unquote on the rails. You can kind of decide your own fate there, because no matter how much we say don't trust ADP or or don't you know don't live and die by it, you you, you sometimes look at it though and oh damn this guy was going seventy picks later I I could have waited you know stuff like that it, it plays a role and I think you and I are pretty good about taking our guys and not getting too hung up on ADP but you also have to be smart about it too right don't take somebody two hundred picks early a hundred picks early then you're just giving away draft capital at that point but you do want to make sure that you're getting your guys and if you if you like somebody in the uh eighth round and he's normally a tenth rounder i think that's fine to go ahead and make that move so that way you don't get snake because it only takes one other person yeah you know that's that's the cliche but it's true one other person to feel similarly to you you lose your guy and then you're kicking yourself because you took an inferior player the round before because he was a quote-unquote value. So. And there there were definitely guys, especially in the middle of the draft, where I went, oh, I really, I mean, the seventh round was brutal for me. Lance Lynn goes, Brandon Woodruff goes, uh, Shohei Otani goes, Montas goes, Sonny Gray goes. Like, that was... That, that was a round, man. Yeah, that was a brutal, brutal round for me. So but you got Solaire, so you, you, you did well in that round. I would consider you as one of the winners of that very... Very w- winning round. You you also count yourself among them. So Otani, you mentioned in the seventh there. Um, managing him is going to be difficult, but I love, love, love the talent. I already have him on a number of teams. I don't think I will be drafting him in the main event. Yeah, same. I, I don't think, uh, you know, any drafts I do, I don't think I'm getting any more. Uh, Otani, I've got, I've got my share. Uh, or, you know, I've got more than... The more than a single share of it, but I, I've got I've got my fill. I don't think I'm necessarily going to be going for more Otani right now. You know who was a bit of a surprise? I love him. You know I do. Yasiel Puig, eleventh round though, without a team, and no, not a yeah. single grumbling of him yeah. being signed right now. Yeah, Scott Chu, he he made the pick. I love Scott. I love Scott too. And I mean, if he does so sign, what what's he thinking on that? He just. You know, just too much talent to pass up on, I think. And he, I mean, he's yeah. pretty sure he's going to sign. I think we're all sure he's going to sign somewhere. The question is, point. yeah, where? And if his, if it's with the Giants, like how much does his value go up? I don't know that it goes up. But, a but I do wonder. I do wonder if he could have gotten him four rounds later. Yeah, I think he in a round. Let's say the fifteenth round. Pollock, Braun, Chu, Jay up. All went before Chu's pick, and I feel I feel like Puig would have fit in that in that grouping there. Yeah, I think the thirteenth or fourteenth round probably would have been the right spot. But I also understand just you know you're you're pushing for the upside and just hoping that you know he lands somewhere good. Maybe the Rockies mm-hmm. sign him, <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't have him as like a, a fundamental player. Yeah, if it doesn't work out, he has backup. In fact, he got Cespedes in the twenty sixth. And there's actually been some positive reports on Cespedes with regards to his health. Plus, they have the DH. So that could end up being like, hey, I took the plea gamble, but I made up for it with the 26th round Cespedes. And, yeah, so. Inciarte in the 28th, too. So, All right. Well, I didn't realize where the clock was. It is uh, right around your soft stop here. So let's go ahead and wrap up. Looked like a fun draft, though. Good luck to you in it. Thank uh, you. So that you can get to the 2021 main event. Good luck to everybody in it, but a little bit more luck to you. Because you I know agree. what? I want you to win. By the way, last thing. We did retro draft last night, which you were doing concurrently mm-hmm. there. You missed the, the theatrics at the end. Not about who won. Nick Galt uh, ran away with it again. Well done to him. Um, well, uh, absolutely crushed it. Last pick, though, Jeff Erickson takes. I have 69 points. I'm celebrating. I love it. I win. Somebody says, hopefully this pick doesn't take you off 69 and move Justin ahead of you. And that's exactly what boom did. It made it so that I didn't have 69 and then you beat me 68 and a half to 68. 
It's, I, it's beautiful because I wasn't even there to celebrate in the uh, no. uh, the pandemonium uh, because I, w- I turned my attention over to the, yeah the stream. My, my strategy was uh, I was going to take all my hitters except for catchers, uh, so that way all I had to worry about drafting were pitchers and catchers during the start of the qualifier. And that was, that was smart. Um, catcher was a nightmare. It it was weird. I, I'm I'm impressed with Nick, man. He, he freaking. He's out here. He's been won a bunch of these, and this one it didn't look like he he was putting together like this monstrous team. I don't say that to denigrate him either. It was just a solid, well built team. It wasn't a star scrubs. He didn't punt anything, so that was fun. But that's it for retro drafts for now, uh, for us at least, because um, you know we're going to turn our attention here to this 2020 season that we're going to get. But if they do them in the off season, I'll jump back in because now that they have the clock with them, they run much quicker, and that's a lot of fun too. So. Anyway, Justin, great talking with you. I hope you have a good Fourth of July weekend. By the way, the site will be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go dark tomorrow for uh, an observance of Fourth uh, of July. So, for those of you looking for content on July third, Friday, July third, uh, there will not be any unless something breaks that must be posted about. Uh, we're going to be taking that day off. But I hope you and the family have a good one. Take it easy.